Welcome to the show, Paul George, Deacon, Adam Conk in hey, the studio. Hey, hey. So officially happened, right? Yes, this past Saturday, goodness gracious, ordained a deacon of the Catholic Church. It is something, I'll yeah. tell you that. Wow, we're going to get into that a little bit, and then we got uh, producer Chad in the in the corner. Hey. He's in timeout. How are you doing today? Oh, I'm doing great. It's a good day. It's a good day to be alive. <laughs> I don't mind timeout. You don't mind timeout in the corner? Um, okay, so this did a little vacay, a little getaway, and we were in North Georgia in the mountains and then visited some family and had a great time, cleared my quarantine head. That's important. Uh, yeah, so I don't know if you guys have felt this way at all, but you know, in the three months of quarantine, you kind of... Absolutely. You're almost alone with yourself too much. Man, as soon as we got into phase one and Georgia was in phase one, we just took off. <laughs> and on a lake in the North Georgia mountains, a friend of ours gave us their cat. It's a good Lake, friend. Which was nice. Yeah, great, a great friend. friend. And then visit with family. So, man, my head's clear. I got a hat on. I'm ready to go. <laughs> but <laughs> all that being clear. said, while I was away on vacay, this on my left got ordained in the world. It happened, man. I showed up at the church at the right time and with the right people. I'm kind of like a proud friend, proud <laughs> brother type thing that I've you know, been seeing your journey for so long. And then here it is. Oh, yeah. You've been an important part of that journey. It's been years. Okay. And here we are. I got so many questions. All right, we're going to get to that. But uh, as always, uh, we're going to get to our Have You Seen? What did you say? That is so interesting. Oh, for real, though? All right, Chad. All right. What, what do you got? Yeah, okay. So really interesting article I read uh, published on May 19th. So, you know, within the last 10 days now. Yeah. Um, uh, historian Tom Holland released his book called Dominion, How the Christian Revolution Remade the World, <laughs> Okay, which doesn't sound interesting, except that Tom Holland is not a Christian. Okay. He's agnostic. All right. And it seems to be uh, sort of trending, these agnostics or atheists talking about the benefits of Christianity on the Western world. I mean, can 2020 get any weirder? Right? <laughs> I know, I know. And it even, and this happened uh, before 2020, I believe, but... Mm. Um, even it, it, the article mentions Richard Dawkins talking about uh, the necessity of Christianity for the Western world, which if you don't know, Richard Dawkins is a pretty prominent atheist. Yes, absolutely. Um, yeah, one of the one of the top atheist speakers. Not that he's the top scholar. But yeah, like when you when you start out as a new atheist, you get a couple of posters in your room. Richard Dawkins is is oh, one for of sure. them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. He's um, the Mount. He's on the Mount Rushmore. Yeah, yeah it seems to be trending about. Yeah, the necessity of that the Western world wouldn't exist the way it does without Christianity. Well, uh, years ago there was an there was an article or a book I can't remember which one it was, but I read it and it was called "Good Without God," and that's sort of the premise is that we can be morally good beings, basically have these great Christian values and follow those, but not believe in a deity, mm-hmm. you know, not believe in God, you know. And I don't know if this book, if you've read it, if that's kind of what it's getting at, but I haven't. Um, that's sort of the premise, but but the reality is that in our humanness and in our you know defaults and our brokenness is that that falls short. Like eventually, like we fail in doing good because we can't do it on our own. Like without grace, like and if other people have it all together without God, I don't know. I've, I've yet to to mean. And now, what you, it's what it's saying is that that it doesn't believe people can do good without believing in a God, or mm-hmm. that everyone, or that an entire society can do this without having a God as a foundation. Yeah, and this is, this is actually a prevalent belief among elite atheists. So these are those mm-hmm. that, they're atheists, but they're not militant about spreading it so much because they think the world works better when you have a few really smart people that know there's no God, but then the masses <laughs> believe there is a God, and that keeps them in line from day to day. But us elite atheists, we know the truth, and it's fun to talk about everybody else and how silly mm. they are. And uh, yeah, I think that's kind of the the modus operandi of those atheists is like, we don't really care if you're atheist or not. In fact, we're glad that you're not because at least you have God in your mind to keep you in check from day to day. Um, We have, you know, ourselves, which is good. Um, Mm. And we're smarter than everyone else. We're more intellectual. We have it all together. We kind of know everything. Um, And so there's a, a real pride and arrogance, you know, to it. But look, um, you know, the reality is this, is that uh, we are coming up on Pentecost Sunday. 
uh, this Sunday. So if you're listening to the show live on Facebook this Sunday is, and then the show will play on KLFT radio and on the podcast, but we're going to get more into the reality of Pentecost, not only 2000 years ago, but how it affects the church today. Okay. Uh, but speaking of Pentecost, so connected to the Holy Spirit, Adam, is that you uh, just got ordained. Like, this is, like, weird <laughs> to me. Mm-hmm. Um, like Weird to you? I mean, the bishop, weird to me. <laughs> bishop laid hands on, on you. And, yes. Uh, explain to us, like, what happens in our nation. Not so much like, you know, like the ceremony, but, like, the ontological reality of what happens in our nation. Like, what what what's the whole deal? Well, it's crazy because, I mean... It is a sacrament, of course, but the effect of the sacrament is that you're configured to Christ, conformed to Christ in such a way that now you have a new role in the church. Not unsimilar to marriage, right? So marriage is a sacrament that man and wife give each other, and the effect of the sacrament is such that now they have a new role in the church. They have the role of husband, they have the role of wife to each other, but this is also a church role. Like, you are a married couple within the church, the church relies on you to be an image of Christ who loves the church so much that he, he gives his life for her, right? And etc. So now I have a new role in the church, and it's a role of service. So the role of the priest, you know, if you think about that sacrament and that they receive, is to be Christ the head among us. They stand in the person of Christ the head, the one who leads the church, the one who guides us into, into fresh pastures and into safety and all these things, right? My role is the role of Christ at the Last Supper, Christ the servant. You know, Christ who gets on the floor and, and washes the feet. Christ who serves the priest first. Like, it's a role of service to that hierarchy, not because the priest needs service, but the priest is serving the church, right? So the main way I serve the church is by serving the priest who's leading the church. Secondly, to serve everyone else in the church, right? So I have this new role that's given graces through the sacrament to achieve it and to not fail at it, hopefully, just like in marriage, I was given graces to, to be a husband, to be a father. Now I have these these graces. And it's a, it's crazy. It is nuts. I'll tell you that. <laughs> it's crazy to think about. It. And I'm only a week into it, but I really like it. It's good stuff. So what is is there a difference between um, ordination, holy orders between a deacon and a priest? It's the same sacrament, but the difference comes in the intention of the bishop who's ordaining, right? So he didn't intend to ordain me a priest. Or a bishop, he intended to ordain me a deacon, so that I would join this order. But it's not like a different sacrament happens next year when they ordain priests, or like in two weeks when they're ordaining priests. It's like it's not it's not it's not a different thing. It's the same thing, but the intention of the one who's ordaining is to elevate these men to the rank of priesthood to that order, which was not the intention of the bishop when he when he ordained me. Um, so same sacrament, but received with different rank. So, you know what would have been crazy is if, like, he's ordaining all the deacons, and then he gets to Adam, and he whispers in his ear, my intentions are different. (laughs) (laughs) My intentions are to ordain you a priest. (laughs) Like, would that have, like, seriously, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, like the mystery of it all. Well, he did give me some good advice before our nation. What was that? He said, make sure you don't say the vow of celibacy. Because the ones that were single, like, not married... They took a vow of celibacy that day, which we had one permanent and three transitional. So he said, when it comes to that part, don't respond. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> That was good advice. That, yeah. Okay, so really Adam, good advice. So there were some deacons that were ordained <laughs> that are transitional. They're, they're, they'll be priests next year. They'll be priests next yeah. year. That got ordained with you guys. Mm-hmm. Okay. See, same diaconate, right? So we didn't have like a permanent diaconate ordination in a transitional like we normally do because of no. COVID. We were able to put them all together because we're in the same order now. You know, now could have been dangerous. Now, for a uh, deacon who is not married, who's going to be a permanent deacon, th- do they take a vow of chastity? Yeah. Okay. So, and did y'all have one of those? Yeah, Deacon Ricky Consignetta. Okay. Um, not married, and now will never be because he he vowed that. Wow. Yeah. So yeah. Um, he's going to exist in this permanent diaconate state. It's possible that he becomes a priest later. It's, it is possible. That can happen. But that's not the plan right now. But, I mean, you know, plans change, and God's plans change. And, uh, you know, it's possible I become a priest later. If my wife dies and my kids grow up, this happens. We have two priests serving right now in the diocese that were permanent deacons. Their wife died a little early. They entered into seminary, and now they're priests running parishes. Um, that's not the plan right now. I would love for my wife to, my wife to stay alive, and she buried me. That's what I would 
Mm. I would love, you know, but we'll see what God thinks. You could be a priest, for goodness sake. Your wife could die and you become a priest. God's will is so mysterious, and the Holy Spirit blows where he wills. Um, and I'm just grateful that today he's blowing in my direction, and I can be a deacon. Now, speaking of Holy Spirit, it is through the Holy Spirit that you receive the sacrament, right? So it's not yeah. like, you know, it's just a human thing. It's not like it. it it's any other thing. It's God that, that ordains the sacrament, that gives the sacraments, the presence of God. Yeah. And that's that's the gift of the Holy Spirit. Like through the Holy Spirit, you are ordained. Yeah, and that was one of the, for me. It was the most moving part of the ceremony because I mean, when Jesus appeared to the apostles in the upper room after rising from the dead, he put his hands out just like this, and he said, "Receive the Holy Spirit." And then those apostles would ordain other bishops, other priests, other deacons, and put their hands out just like this over them and say, "Receive the Holy Spirit." And then on Saturday, the bishop put his hands out over me, and he just prayed for the Holy Spirit to come into me and ordain me. You know, so there's this unbroken line to Jesus himself of this laying on of hands and receiving the grace of ordination, and it was no words. The bishop doesn't even have words to say. It's not like the liturgy says the bishop will pray this when it happens. It just says lay on of hands, invoking the Holy Spirit. So the bishop silently prays for the Holy Spirit to come upon these men and it's very moving. You know, I felt very close to Jesus because he did that to the apostles. The apostles kept doing that, and now it's done to me. It's crazy. That is crazy. Uh, so what's been the, the funnest thing that you've done since being a deacon <laughs> for a week? I was not prepared for how many things I would be blessing. Mm. I've been blessing things. It's been like Oprah. Like, you get a blessing, you get a blessing, <laughs> you get a blessing. You can bless objects too, right? Mm -hmm. I've blessed gallons of holy water. Gallons. Gallons. Mm. There's no way it's all been used. Like, that will continue to be used for weeks, months. All that holy water. Wow. That, yeah, it's nuts. Which is so weird because, you, you're, you know, you've been Adam and now you're Deacon Adam and you could do these, you know, you got these ordained superpowers <laughs> that, uh, that are kind of cool. Um, okay, so what's your Deacon name? You have a Deacon name? Do we, deacon Adam, Deacon Conk, DC, DA, um, DAC? This really, came, this really came to head when... I was looking at my email. <laughs> I was like, I kind of need to change this email address in the parish because I have a parish mm -hmm. email address. I kind of need to change that. What do I change it to? That was the big moment of truth. Mm. So what did you choose? I just went with what we do with the priest. So we do FR last name for the priest. So I went DCN last name for the for me, for the parish. So DCN Deacon Conk. That's I it. I guess so, at the parish, yeah. It, it's like it puts 20 or 30 years on him. Mm -hmm. It does. You know what I'm saying, Chad? It does. It makes you know, those, those gray hairs stand out. I mean, the beard the puts Paul George Show is made possible in part by our partners at Solidarity HealthShare. Kids, Solidarity is the Catholic solution to the health care right. so problem. Are you paying too much now. for your health care costs? You're like, Solidarity Abraham. HealthShare is a health care sharing yeah, man. <laughs> which provides All right, so we're going to take a break, and we'll be right back. While protecting and practicing our Catholic beliefs. Best yet, Solidarity HealthShare's members are exempt from the fines and penalties in the Affordable Care Act. Visit SolidarityHealthShare.org. That's SolidarityHealthShare.org. Welcome back to the show. Uh, Paul George, Deacon Adam Hawk in here, and producer Chad there uh, in the corner. Chad, uh, in the first segment, um, we had a Have You Seen, um, but I have a Have You Seen. All right. Have you seen the fact that... Uh, we're about to have a rocket take off of U.S. soil into space for the first time in like, you know, 15 a decade or something like that. years or something. I think crazy. it already happened. It didn't happen yesterday. Uh, Am I wrong about that? I think it did. Wait, it went off? No. No, the weather stopped it, and then it's supposed oh, to... Uh, I didn't get to watch. Yeah. So the weather stopped it. Uh, it didn't take oh, off. It's coming off on Saturday. It. Yeah, it's going to be on Saturday. That's tomorrow. Uh, May tomorrow. 30th. Um, okay, so a a rocket ship going up in space, would you go or would you stay? It's been a dream since I was a kid to go into space. I thought it would be the coolest thing. Really? So if they invited me you would and do it? I was like passing physicals, I would do it. All right, so if you had a wife, which you do, and, and a baby, which is possible. Yeah, okay, well, they, yeah, yeah, yeah. Would you still go? I mean, because astronauts are, are, you know, a lot of married families, whatever, you know. Um, they don't always make it. There's a high risk. Like when I was, you know, when I was in fourth or fifth grade is when we, everyone gathered to watch the space shuttle take off and it, it blew up. 
you know, and I remember the trauma of it was just like we were all sitting there, like, what in the world? You guys weren't born yet. I've and, seen, oh, wait, I was born. You I were? I was barely born. You Not were, I. Mm-hmm. So you remember it. No, I, I've seen footage. As an, but it was, it was shocking. And like that just made me not ever want to be mm. an astronaut. Now, some people, that's different. But Plus, you have a fear of heights. I do have a fear of heights, which, you know. And I mean, you don't get higher than space. So, I you know, if you want to be an astronaut, I was watching that guy parachute from outer space on did you see that video yeah. before in that something he like he he you know jumps out of a whatever from space and lands on the ground on earth how i don't i mean it was like at the outer atmosphere oh gotcha you know what's interesting about the work of space exploration and all that i mean it really does enhance our church cuz think about this our theology changed a lot when we realized the sun was the center of the solar system, mm-hmm. and we weren't. And just think of all the times like we advanced knowledge of space. The Big Bang Theory, for example, has given us like whole new reasons to explain how there must be a God, right? And, the, and we're in awe and majesty of the universe God has created much more. So, I mean, this is important work that they're doing, go and explore and, and push those envelopes and help us to understand our... our uh, universe better so we can understand god better and our and our church better so i applaud it and for that reason alone i would get on the rocket mm. yeah isn't the moon a part of the diocese of orlando right that's true yeah yeah something like that <laughs> all right so adam uh deacon adam <laughs> literally you, expanded the church. if you went into space and you found <laughs> that there were aliens or just other types of life would you could you give them a blessing i would give them a blessing <laughs> and i would bless their water you would mm-hmm. <laughs> Look, I don't know when we'll be back again, guys. Got a real so. space theme on this podcast. <laughs> Here's your water. <laughs> I don't know when I'll be back again. Uh, you would just just bless everything. I would. I would bless the rocks. I would be like Saint Francis, you know, sun and moon, bless the Lord. Just just rocks bl- and crags. The humans aren't listening to you anymore. You preach to the aliens. Yep, brother, sun, sister, Mars. I don't know. Is there anything you can't bless? Oh yeah, yeah yeah. Because there are some things reserved for the bishop only, like even priests can't bless. Mm. Like, let's say a new altar for a church. Okay. That's the bishop, you know. And so there's some things, a lot of things reserved just for priests or above. But there are a lot of things that deacons can do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'll bless your car. You want me to bless your car? (laughs) You can do a car blessing? Yeah. A house blessing? Yeah. You can do it all? Yeah. It's pretty crazy. Um (laughs) Which, by the way, um, this this Sunday is Pentecost mm. Sunday, mm. you know. So after Easter, you know, we've been leading up to Pentecost, right? Fired up, literally. <laughs> Fired up, and it, and it's cool because uh, you know in the reading for Sunday, you know, it's not a long gospel. John twenty verse nineteen through twenty three. It says on the evening of the first day of the week, when the doors were locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in their midst and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. And when he had, when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. Who sins you forgive or forgiven them, and whose sins you retain or retained. That's the gospel for the Sunday on Pentecost. So, mm. like for you guys, what what sticks out just with this, the reality of Pentecost, um, and this gospel reading? I mean, the sending stands out to me because, I mean, who is the Holy Spirit? He's the life that the Father gives to the Son. The Son gives back to the Father, and then Jesus says, "Just as the Father has sent me, I'm going to send you." And so there's there's this connection between our relationship with the Father and going out. And when are we more children of the Father than when we spread the gospel and, like, go out? That's, you know, that's what Jesus did as Son of the Father. He said the words he was supposed to say. He did the actions he was supposed to do by the Holy Spirit. And, you know, Pentecost always reminds me it's the, it's the birth of the church, and it's when the church started going out. And that's what happens at birth. You're already alive before you're born, Right? The church is already alive. Jesus had called the church. He made a pope. Everything. Like, he did it. Put it all together. Like like knitting a baby in a mother's womb. But it was the birthday of the church when we went out 
and started preaching the gospel, converting people. 3,000 people that day from one homily, not bad. Not bad. <laughs> um, it's like your first homily. That's exactly what happened. Mm-hmm. Not. But, um, <laughs> yeah, so that's what stands out to me is this idea of being sent out and being born by the power of the Holy Spirit to be children of God, just like Christ. Mm, yeah. And, yeah, you talked about, you know, they receive the Holy Spirit, they go out, and the first thing they're doing or the first commandment that Jesus has given them here is to go out and forgive sins, like giving them that authority to show that mercy of God and that being something that's, you know, salvific in itself, like bringing salvation is that mercy. Like these people are weighed down, they're burdened, they're, yeah, the weight of their sin is resting on their own shoulders. And Jesus is like, here you go, go and forgive them. Go and, and, and yeah, free them from that. Now, part of the gift of the Holy Spirit is that it, it, it um, convicts us of our sinfulness, mm-hmm. not in a bad way, but like it, it helps us to realize that we're in need of God. The Holy Spirit is the one that m- can move um, and, and just bring about, you know, forgiveness. Now we receive, you know, absolution through confession, but, you know, it, it's crazy that, I don't know, a lot of times when I read the readings from Acts and these Gospels leading up to Pentecost, Oftentimes I look at the, the, the current state of our world and think, man, man, we need a new, you know, revival of Pentecost in, in our world right now. You know, like people going out, people on fire with the power of the Holy Spirit. You know, it says in the first reading of Acts, when the time of Pentecost was fulfilled, they were in one place together. And suddenly there came from the sky a noise like a strong driving wind. It filled the entire house in which they were. Then there appeared to them in tongues of fire, which parted and came to rest on them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in different languages as the Spirit enabled them. I'm not making this up. This is in Scripture, okay? <laughs> um, uh, now there were devout Jews from every nation under heaven saying, uh, staying in Jerusalem. At, at this sound, they gathered a large crowd, and you know it was like they were confused. They didn't know what was happening, and it says that. It says, but they were confused because each one heard them speaking in their own language, uh, and they were astounded. I mean, this was like a, a movement of God. Like, they, it was unexplainable. A miracle was happening. Uh, God sent the third person of the Trinity. It wasn't just like, oh, this is like a feast day, you know. Oh, let's roast a lamb. You know, this is like God s- sent the third person of the Trinity to <laughs> to to live inside of people. And... I don't know. Oftentimes, look at the world is like, where is the Holy Spirit active? You know, I mean, you know, it's active in ordination. You just receive that, or in the sacraments, we feel it in the sacraments. But what about in like the day to day life of a Christian? Where is, like, where do we see the Holy Spirit moving? I think that's why Saint Paul offers us what he does in Galatians chapter five. Like he contrasts the fruits of the flesh with the fruits of the spirit, so that we can do what Jesus said: you judge a tree by its fruit, right? And we do need to often examine ourselves and our church like all the time. But what do we examine? We look at the fruits. And the fruits of the flesh are obvious, according to Paul. And we see a lot of those in the church and in ourselves. Licentiousness, idolatry, um, selfishness, laziness. All of these are present, for sure. And I think that's what you're referring to, Paul. Is like we need a revival. And I think we always need a revival and sometimes more than others, and sometimes it's louder than others. And Paul says the fruits of the Spirit are obvious. Joy, peace, faithfulness, self-control. And so where we see these, we see the Holy Spirit. It's quieter. Like it's, it's a power, but like it's a quiet power. I mean, there's no, more, there's no greater power than self-control, right? But it's a very quiet power. Because in the world, we think power is I can dominate other people. But really, real power is dominating yourself. And um, so anyway, the Holy Spirit is active. He is present, but we need way more of him for sure. And uh, the church needs him. I need him. Well, I know if for me, like in my own conversion, like, like that, just that real turning from, from sinful and old ways, even though I was like, I think there's a God out there, you know, or, you know, and maybe I step foot in church every now and then, but like a real, just like, you know, hard right turn, like I got to do some changing. I, it was the Holy Spirit that just convicted me of my own sin. Because 
if not, I was justifying my sinfulness. I was justifying my decisions and my ways, right? Like I was just constantly saying, no, there's nothing wrong with that. I'm not a murderer, right? I'm not a bad person. Like I'm, I'm you know what I'm saying? And, but it had to be through the grace of the Holy Spirit. It had to be through the grace that I received in confirmation years earlier. Uh, it had to be through uh, reading the scripture and the Holy Spirit convicted me of like, man, my, I'm, I'm a sinner. Like I, I need forgiveness of my sins. I, I need a God to free. Like, that doesn't just happen on, on your own. You don't self-generate that, right? Um, and, and this is, you know, I don't know about, I know for, you know, you, like, what happened, but it was the Holy Spirit that moved you into conversion, right? And, and you. Uh, it's the Holy Spirit that moved you into ordination and to make the decisions. But without that, like, we're, we're empty, you know? We, we can't just... We don't worship the Father and the Son. We worship the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Mm. We we can't, you know, and it's the Holy Spirit that's that's the the one that's active, you know, like moving the love of God into the world. So Y'all know what an earthquake is? <laughs> no. Explain it to me. So the idea is that there's an earth and we're on it and it, it shakes. It quakes. <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> I mean, it's nuts, and and the main reason it ha- happens. I don't know if you took science when you were younger, but I don't remember <laughs> it, but I took it. You got these like plates of land that are just moving around, you know, and mm-hmm. sometimes these plates collide, and just the sheer weight and mass of these plates colliding generates this power, just on the edge of the collision, that literally shakes the world. And I like that image when I consider why the Holy Spirit is a spirit of power. Because the Holy Spirit is the collision of the, the free love of the Father and the free love of the Son coming together, and there's power in it, mm. you know? You have these little tips of plates that shake the whole world. So imagine when you have an infinite person, an infinite person colliding in love for one another. The power that is generated is bigger than anything in this universe, and it's the same power that we have access to in Pentecost and in the Holy Spirit, and it's a power to move things. To move the world, right? And Jesus wants this power. He said, "How I, I came to set the world on fire and how I wish it was already blazing. And that's why two Christians, three Christians can change the whole world. If, if two plates coming together can shake everything, I mean, imagine if two Christians with the, with the love of, of God and the Holy Spirit in them moved by that power. And I think that's what the challenge of Pentecost is, is that we don't often do that. Like Paul was saying, we don't often change the world because of, our, of the power that's within us. And so I think it's a great self-reflection as we move past Pentecost. Like, Lord, how are you calling me to move by this power? And I need to get out of the way. Yeah, the scripture that comes to mind, you know, because you're talking about power, self-control. That's actually a scripture. I know you know that because you're a deacon. Second uh, <laughs> Timothy. Because deacons know uh, everything. Second Timothy 1.7 actually says, For the Spirit of God uh, uh, does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-control. Think about that. Mm. Like, it puts that all together. Power, love, and self-control. And you look out in the world today, uh, <laughs> what's missing? I mean, when I think of love and self-control like that, like the inability to just unconditionally love people, right? Like you you see this all the time, the tension in the world. And then to not have self-control in that love, right? Whether it be out of rage and anger or out of, you know, just self-pleasuring, whatever the, you know, there's, there's just like, but it's, you know, I, I didn't have those virtues until like, my conversion until I turned to God and asked the Holy Spirit to give me the power to live my life the way God wanted me and to have love, to love people that I couldn't love, right? And didn't love right or loved wrong. Um, and <laughs> didn't have any self-control, you know, mm-hmm. uh, it was only through the Holy Spirit, you know? So for those folks who are listening, you're like, man, like that sounds like something I want because any, anybody and everyone you know, through our desire, wants power, love, and self-control. You know, no, no one us, none of us want to be, um, you know, imprisoned by our own desires. None of us. You know, we all know what it's like to just be enslaved by our desires, to like not be able to overcome like these, these temptations and these, these sins. And 
you know, these desires, like, right. But there's freedom. That's what you're talking about. Like there's true freedom when we have this self-control over these desires that have held us bound, you know, in a world that teaches us, hmm, those desires are fine. Those are the things that actually set you free, which is not true. Yeah, it's it's a conversion for me to be able to see that, like the, the Holy Spirit moving my heart enough to see that these things aren't what I desire. Like these, my passions and my emotions shouldn't be the thing controlling me. And that that the Holy Spirit can guide me and show me what freedom looks like, what it looks like, what, what it looks like to be me. Right. You know, without these things controlling me are, yeah, just the only thing I'm following. Right. No, exactly. Like, you know, to be, you know, because when you're being controlled by your desires, that's all you can see is like, mm-hmm. oh, the, the, these are fulfilling me, but really it's empty, right? This is the beauty of the church when it asks us to fast, right? Um, because when we can fast from those pleasures and desires, that's when the Holy Spirit can give us self-control, can teach us that, oh, I don't need that. You know, mm-hmm. I don't need that to sustain me. I can actually rely more on God, right, than whatever pleasure I was, I was leaning on. And this is the example our Lord gives us, who lived by the Spirit every day of his life, even from the moment of his conception. I mean, he is the Christ because he's the anointed one with the Holy Spirit. And he has desires and passions, just like all of us. He has a human will. He has an intellect, just like all of us. But from the moment of his conception, everything was given to his Father, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. The, the Spirit inspired his humanity, his human nature, in everything he did mm-hmm. and said. He is the, the perfect example of what a human looks like who lives by the Spirit. So is his mother. And they live two different lives, two very different lives. Um, they cared about the same things, loved the same things, but Mary didn't go out and preach. We don't know if Mary healed anybody. We don't know if Mary raised anybody from the dead. Right? Like we, mm-hmm. But the same spirit unites them, but it's the spirit of obedience to the Father. And this is why, you know, St. Paul tells us like there's one baptism, one Lord, one faith, one spirit, and strive for the, the most excellent thing, which is love. But all of us are going to have different charisms, different gifts from the same spirit. And this, this isn't a source of jealousy or envy or even trying to have these things. He's saying don't even try to have teaching, healing. You know, if God gives it to you, great. But it has nothing to do with your self-worth as a Christian. What you should try to have is love, charity, and be perfect in that. And, and this is what Christ and the Blessed Mother teach us. Pentecost is amazing because we don't look at Jesus from afar and say, wow, what a great guy, let's be like him. We share in the same spirit he lives in, the same spirit the Blessed Mother lives in. Like, we share in that same power. Um, it's an amazing thing. Well, and Pentecost isn't something we commemorate. All right, it's not it's not a commemoration. Like we're not like, oh, you remember when there was Pentecost? Mm-hmm. Pente- Pentecost is something that we enter into. I mean, the church enters into it, you know. Mass isn't something we commemorate. It it's it's present in the moment. Right? God's present in the present moment through mass. Like so Pentecost, mass at Pentecost and Pentecost is something that we enter into. It it's like Lord, renew my commitment to you. Renew my faith. Renew my confirmation. Renew my baptism. Like, let the Holy Spirit come upon my life so I can live the life that you're calling me to live. Like, this is what Pentecost is. is a, it's a renewal of, of that for us. And God in his giftedness and graciousness and love does not hold back his Holy Spirit to us. Now, if you're listening, it's like if there's anything that's, that's like blocking you right now. Like there's there's pleasures that you're stuck in and the sinful things are, are, are not, but it could be anything. Like for me, like quarantine, like I worried, like my mind was constantly in worry. Where Jesus, what does he say? Do not worry. Why worry, right? <laughs> you know, uh, the birds, you know, God takes care of the birds and, and, you know, don't worry. Well, I don't think I was really asking the Holy Spirit to like help me to not worry. You know, is worry necessarily like the sin? No, but you can be in bondage by worry, you know? Well, what can set you free? Yourself? I can't I can't set myself free. The Holy Spirit though can, you know? So it was like Holy Spirit set me free of worry, and then all of a sudden I'm sitting in the North Georgia mountains. <laughs> Right? Take, take that, it's Paul beautiful. George. With a free gift of like a cabin on a lake. It's like, okay, man. 
you know, and just being able to breathe and pray and like, Lord, you're going to take care of me. That's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit can begin to make a way where we can't make a way, can set us free where we can't set ourselves free, um, can give us a new perspective, can give us power over our sinfulness, give us love where we can't love and give us self-control where we don't have it. Like that's like, that's the Holy Spirit. I think you nailed it. Right. So, all right, we're going to take a break. Paul George Show, Adam Conk, Deacon, and uh, Chad Barrow, <laughs> the producer extraordinaire. We'll, right. be, we'll be right back. The Paul George Show is made possible in part by our partners at Solidarity HealthShare. Solidarity is the Catholic solution to the healthcare problem. Are you paying too much for your healthcare cost? Solidarity HealthShare is a healthcare sharing ministry which provides an ethical way to fund healthcare costs while protecting and practicing our Catholic beliefs. Best yet, Solidarity HealthShare's members are exempt from the fines and penalties in the Affordable Care Act. Visit SolidarityHealthShare.org. That's SolidarityHealthShare.org. Welcome back to the show, Paul George, Deacon Adam Conk, and uh, producer Chad. You got it right. Uh, Good job. Yeah. He, he's kind of in timeout because he's like in this separate, you know, corner of the yeah. universe. But uh, he gets his own camera. That's cool. He gets his own camera. The Chad he, cam. He contributes. I don't have to squeeze in. Um, I can social distance. That's true. You know, is that I, still a thing? I mean, I know well, it's a thing, but phase like, one, I think we're out of like phase one in Louisiana. At least we're out of, um, you know, quarantine. We're out of. You can come out your sort house, of. folks. Yeah. yeah, you don't have to stay at home. No stay-at-home order, right? Maybe. I don't think so. I, no. don't, I haven't really paid attention. Okay, well, you don't know that. <laughs> <laughs> you don't know. Did, I mean, yeah. Yeah, you don't know. Well, it's good to be with you guys again. It's been a it while. Is. Yeah, well, you know, you got ordained. Um, I got out of town. And mm-hmm. then, you know, you know, Chad's got some great news. We'll let him reveal that on the show at some point when he's ready. But, you know... It uh, we've all been busy in some way, shape, or form. So <laughs> you can say that. Yeah, it's been great. All right. So as always, uh, we're gonna get to a six pack of questions. Question. Yeah. So six pack of questions. We want to go back and forth today. We're gonna sure. start with uh, the great deacon. Question number one. So we're talking about Pentecost. And all that. Uh, tell me what frame of mind you were in, or frame of faith you were in when you were confirmed. I was a heathen. I was horrible. Tell me about this. I was this. the worst. <laughs> I was the worst place of my life. I literally got kicked out of my confirmation class. I was an eighth grade kid that no no one would want to parent. You know, like <laughs> I, I was just. I think by eighth grade, I was like, you know doing some of the silliest things, you know, and, um, yeah, I just, yeah, I was not, I was not in a good place, but I did get confirmed. And, you know, I look back on that and I think to myself, I actually believe that my conf- the grace of my confirmation caught up with me for my conversion, you know? So a few years later when I began to kind of ch- change and be convicted through, you know, reading the gospels and through interaction with folks, and the Holy Spirit is, um, I think it was like the gift of confirmation, the Holy Spirit. Like, that's just a ceremony. Like, if we're going to believe that confirmation is confirmation, we're going to believe that something happens at confirmation, or let's just not do it, right? Mm-hmm. So at confirmation, we believe that, that we receive the Holy Spirit. Now, the same Holy Spirit receive at baptism, but it, it's it's like an awakening of that. It's like a growing of that. Um, I So I believe that I got the Holy Spirit at confirmation, but I didn't know what I got, mm. right? And that uh, that that grew, and the Holy Spirit convicted me, and that was part of my conversion. But yeah, I, you know, so at Pentecost, like I want to invite people, like renew your confirmation, even if you weren't in a good place and you didn't know what happened. Renew your, um, you know, your commitment to Christ. Ask the Holy Spirit to to give you the power, the love, and the self control you need. Like renew this at Pentecost. Don't just let it be like, oh, we're just commemorating. It's a ceremony, you know. So, mm. yeah, I Adam brought up the image of Mary and Jesus, the same Holy Spirit, the same obedience to the Father, um, you know, and chasing the Father's will. 
but their lives look very different. Hmm. Sometimes, I mean, I know, at least for me, maybe others out there, it can feel like I'm, I'm living a life like Mary, but wanting to look like Jesus, or thinking that I ought to look like Jesus. Does that make sense? Yes. And, yeah, and, and it can feel like, oh, the Holy Spirit's not listening to me, or God's not listening to me. I'm not, you know, I'm not changing in a, in a profound way, or things aren't getting better for me, or whatever, you know? You know what I mean? Yes. Like, I have this worry... And I'm asking the Holy Spirit to get rid of this worry, but it's just not happening. You know what I mean? Right. Do you have any advice or something to, or anything maybe speaking into that that uh, feeling of maybe helplessness or like nothing's happening for you? Right. I think we've all, we all feel that way at some times. It's like, man, nothing's happening. Or I feel like there's no breakthrough, no options right now. Part of the gift of the Holy Spirit is to just trust right? Like, Jesus, I trust in you right now. Today, I don't know, but the only thing I know today is just to take one step forward and just trust in you. We can't do that without the Holy Spirit. You know, we have the divine mercy thing that's behind you. Jesus, I trust in you. I mean, you know, I like to think that, you know, what's coming out of the heart of Jesus is not only mercy, but it's the Holy Spirit. You know, it's, it's the gift of his love, which is the Holy Spirit. So, you know, like, for those of us who have been in that place where you're like, I, I don't know what to do or I can't overcome this, is the moment is where the Holy Spirit works. The moment of trusting right now is just like, okay, the Holy Spirit's just giving me peace right now. And one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit is peace, right? Peace, patience, kindness, generosity, self-control. You know, those are, you know, gifts of the Holy Spirit is, uh, man, who doesn't want peace? So maybe just there might not be an open door right now, but mm -hmm. it might just be peace. Like, that's the Holy Spirit. And I pray that a lot. Lord, just give me peace right now in the midst of the unknown, in the midst of uncertainty, in the midst of not knowing what to do. Just give me peace right now. Um, and I think that helps. It's not always feels like it's a great solution, but is is the presence of God not enough? Like, I often think of the words in Scripture. I think it was Philip who said, um, Lord, show us the Father, and 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 that's enough for us right? Is, mm -hmm. is the Father not enough? Is God not enough for me in this moment? And that's what I go back to. Awesome. All right, question number three. Sometimes we're in a situation where the Holy Spirit just feels so present to us and so full, like he's in the room, you can just like feel it. Mm. Tell me about a time like that for you, Paul. You know, I actually ran into a, a guy that I hadn't seen in years in um, the grocery store yesterday. And um, actually... You know, I, I knew him from, from another town. He's living here now, and uh, we ran into each other. And uh, he was saying that um, when he went back to Mass for the first time after quarantine, uh, that he just started crying during Mass. Like, he felt like the presence of God so much in the music and in, and in the community and Mass and receiving the Eucharist that he just lost it, you know. And that's not like something that he does. And, you know, just reminding me, he's like, man, God's still active, like, and, and just the presence of God. And I think if, you know, we're quiet enough or aware enough, you know, so as you ask that question, I think a lot of people would think, is, yeah, I don't know if I feel the presence of God or, or, you know, the Holy Spirit. But I think often we don't because we're not present to them, you know, or we're not quiet enough, contemplative enough to just be in the moment or be in the presence of God and, and get a sense that God's here, you know? Um, so I don't know the last time or the most time, but, uh, you know, I, you know, just recently, like uh, I'm, I'm pretty quiet contemplative. So being in the mountains on a lake, like I could have some of my best prayer time. And I mean, I, I just felt the the Holy spirit just, kind of surrounding me and like just removing worry out of my heart and mind, like just the unknown, mm. like just stripping the unknown out of my heart and mind. And, but I had to get, I had to kind of get out of my old routine and into a new place to kind of feel that. That's why I often say, you know, we go on retreat or mm -hmm. have some silent prayer, like get out of an old routine so that you can, you know, hear the presence. It's like with your spouse, it's like, Hey, the house is noisy and kids are running, go on a date, get out of the house. And then all of a sudden you're, you know, you have a candle lit on the table and you're in the room. It's like, Oh, we have amazing conversation. Right. Mm. Unless we do that with God, we might not ever feel the presence of God or the Holy spirit. Right. So we have to really be intentional about that. 
you know, in our life. Mm. Awesome. Um, we see the apostles receiving the Holy Spirit and preaching to the masses, and it's something that you've sort of had a chance to do is preach to a lot of people. Did you you feel like you had a Pentecost moment or, or it looked different for you in, in starting that journey or that, you know, what you do now? Yeah, no, I mean, I, I think for me, like, it, it had to be the Holy Spirit because, you know, I would have never spoken in front of people. I would have never, like, even opened my mouth or, yeah, I mean, it just, for me, it was just like, oh, this is obviously God because I could not do this, you know. Um, which really scares me for people who are like super talented because then it's like how, you know what I'm saying? Like when you're really talented, relying, you know, on yourself and on God, I just knew cause I wasn't really talented. <laughs> it's like, oh, this has to be, this has to be God, you know, um, even just the fact that God would open doors, you know? So, mm-hmm. um, and I think for all of us, it's just like, God, use me through your Holy spirit to do whatever, to do whatever you want. And it doesn't have to be big. It could just be help me to love my spouse and my kids today the way you want. Help me to have a conversation with someone, you know, and and be bold and loving the way that you want. Help me to, you know, just do what you want. And when we begin to pray that prayer, I mean, yeah, some scary things could happen because we're like, man, I never, I never thought I could do that, or I never thought I would volunteer for that, or say that, or do this, or, um, but that's when we give the Holy Spirit permission, right? And I remember this old lady, this old lady saying to me over and over and over again, unless you give the Holy Spirit permission, the Holy Spirit's not going to move. I was like, okay. She's, and I was like, what? Well, I don't know if I agree. And she's like, I'm telling you, unless you give the Holy Spirit permission. And I, I found, you know, truth is like, we can have the, like a confirmation. You ask that question is like, I got the Holy Spirit, but I didn't give the Holy Spirit permission to do anything, mm. <laughs> right? My my life and my sin and my actions didn't give the Holy Spirit permission to activate like any grace in my life, right? So I think that's true. It's just saying, like, Lord, I I'm yours. I give you permission to do with me as you will through your Holy Spirit, whatever you want, I'll do it, right? So and that's mm. how we give the Holy Spirit permission. Give it up. You know, I, I mean, I think, and I think the apostles, the disciples at Pentecost, you know, uh, although it's, you know, we have these images of them being in fear and locked in a room and, you know, through scriptures, they wanted an answer. You know, they wanted to move forward. They just didn't know how, you know, so, and they, they were giving God permission, but they just didn't know what to do next, you know, and, and they weren't expecting this, but this is what they got. And thank God they got this because if they didn't get this, we wouldn't be here today. That's right. You wouldn't be here today, Adam. I wouldn't. Mm-hmm. He, wouldn't be, he wouldn't be ordained. Right. For sure. That's what I meant. Sorry. For sure. All right. Question number five. One of the scariest things about being a Christian, if you're a Christian for longer than five minutes, is that we can get in the way of the Holy Spirit much easier than we think. So my question for you is like, describe that. Like, what happens when we get in God's way? And how do we stay out of his way when the spirit wants to move in our life or in a ministry we're doing? I think that's great. You know, it's scary for me as I've been in so many situations or meetings or plannings where, um, particularly like in the church settings, you know, ministry settings where, uh, we didn't even pray. Didn't even pray. Like we didn't even pray to ask the Holy spirit to not only be with us in this meeting, but like to, to like show us what you want, God. Like, the, and that to me is like scary because what ends up happening is we just rely on ourselves. Okay, you're talented at this, you can do this, and I can do this. Let's just get together and do it. And God can bless it, and He will, right? Because we have good intentions and we want to do good things. But what would happen if we actually said, uh, Holy Spirit, you lead us and guide us, and it could be a totally different direction? Like, what would happen in the church if like we literally just said, there's a blank board and we're just going to invite the Holy Spirit to lead us and guide us. Could look a lot different, right? A lot different. So my invitation for folks is like to actually ask the Holy Spirit to lead them in their ministry, lead them uh, in, in everything that they're doing because it's like, you know, God can do amazing things. Yeah, he can. <laughs> he does. Yeah. He does do them. So were you like a, like a, your confirmation, what grade did you get confirmed in? 11. 
Okay, so you were, you were in high school. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, just as bad as you probably were in eighth grade. Yeah, I have <laughs> heard stories. <laughs> I've heard stories. Yeah. So, yeah. okay, what question? Question we on? six. Oh, we are in question. Question six. six final question. Um, so, yeah, it's one thing to discern the Holy Spirit and, and and see where the Holy Spirit wants you to go in life. It's another once you get married, and you have to do that with another person. Yeah. So, what is that? You have any advice that's, or that's a great question. What that looks like for you with in, in Gretchen. In your own marriage. Yeah, one of the mantras we live by and we kind of tell people is that what's what's not good for, for one is not good for both. You know, so mm-hmm. if you're di- discerning things together and it's like, oh, you know, I want to be a deacon. And the wife's like, I don't think that's a good idea. Then the answer is no. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, because there's tension in, in, the, in the marriage. And that's, that's tough because we're individuals and we can have these, you know, and I see this division spiritually, you know, oftentimes – but when you guys were discerning the diaconate, it wasn't just you. I mean, God put it on your heart, but it had to be a mutual discernment. You and your wife had to be called to this, right? Because it's not just your ministry, it's her ministry too, right? Um, and um, not on board, there would just be dissension, there would be some disconnect, there would be resentment, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so the invitation that I always say, and we try to work on this a lot in our marriage is, what we call mutual discernment, just discerning things together, like being on the same page, praying together and asking the Holy Spirit. You know, and there's been times where we've been on opposite pages on something, say like a job or a move or whatever. And then later on, one of us is convicted of what the other person already knew, you know, but it's just being patient. You know, like when we first got married, it's like, I think we're going to move and have a job somewhere else and do ministry. And, you know, Gretchen was like, nah, I'm not doing that. Right. And like, I was like, okay, well, God, it's in your hands. Like, we're not on the same page, so we're not doing it. Um, but, uh, like, a little while later, she came back and was like, God's been just telling me, like, we're supposed to do that too. You know, so, it's like, all of a sudden, it's like a God thing, you know. And that's the invitation is, like, if if you're on different pages too, it's like, it doesn't mean that you won't get on the same page. It's like, be patient with the Holy Spirit working in each other's heart, you know. So... Uh, y'all could have dis- like discerned mm-hmm. diaconate and then discern not, and then you you know a few years later, God could change your heart and mind, right? It's sometimes timing is a is a big, big thing. So, so anyway, um, yeah, Pentecost, jump in, enter into it, get fired um, up, yeah, get fired Literal. up, Deacon Adam. Okay, here's the cool thing is that you can actually bless stuff. So, can you actually bless us and the show? Yes, I can. <laughs> All right, go ahead. The Lord be with you. And, and with, with your, your spirit. spirit. May Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Go in peace. That's Thanks like an official God. blessing. It's the reason receive the blessing? Yeah. As long as it's live. I hate to break it to you, pre-recorded folks. Mm. Well, there you, you go. get a blessing live. Speaking of live, thanks for listening. And and then the show will be on podcast, uh, Google Play, iTunes, SoundCloud. You can get it. Paul George Show. Talking Art of Living, and then it'll be on KLFT Radio 90.5. It'll air there. So thanks for listening to the show. And uh, you can find out what we're doing, discovertheartofliving.com, and keep up with all our stuff. All right, we'll talk to you later. God bless.